Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. It's good to be with you again, friends. I was off last week, as some of you may know, and I think I had told you about, but it's good to be back again uh, this week as we continue this sermon series called House Party, as we reflect on what it means to extend invitation to others. The text I'm going to read this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, and uh, this is verses 1 through 5, and then I'm going to jump down to verses 10 through 12. So hear these words. Ho, everyone that thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Listen, so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that which goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. So if you follow the news this week, you probably thought at least somewhat about England and its vote to exit the European Union. I certainly have been thinking about it, particularly since I've made a couple of trips to England within the last year. And they've both been wonderful visits and times, and uh, one I was thinking this week about one evening I was going out last summer, I was with some other church planters in the United Methodist Church, and we wanted to eat Indian, one of the popular things to do when in London, and so we went to this section of London where there were many different Indian restaurants, and it was a little overwhelming because you didn't know which one to go to. You could go on various apps that might give you ratings and rankings. But as we were walking along, I noticed something. This is certainly something that you don't usually see in the United States, at least I haven't. And and that is there were people, individuals, who were standing outside the restaurants and beckoning you to come over and eat in their restaurant. They would call out to you. We went out to eat fairly early, and so there wasn't a huge crowd yet of people walking around. So we drew a lot of attention, the four of us. People were calling out to us, and I didn't quite know what to make of all of this. But there was one gentleman who was insistent, and so we stopped and listened to his pitch, and he was talking and saying about how great the food is. And as an added incentive, he said, I will give you free drinks and free appetizers. And he kept on giving us all these deals until finally we looked at the restaurant and we looked at him and there were a couple of signs in the windows from newspapers that said this was a great place to eat. So we decided, sure, what the heck. His sales job did the trick and so we went in and had a a lovely meal that night. I thought about this man as I thought about this text today that I read from Isaiah and also as I was 
thinking about this sermon series that I mentioned earlier, House Party. What does it mean to extend God's invitation to all? This is a short series, so this is the last sermon that we're reflecting on. But I think the text and my memory of this gentleman outside this restaurant both came to mind as I was reflecting on what does it mean to invite others. We see, in a sense, that this writer in this scripture is doing kind of the same thing that this man outside the restaurant was doing. So I noted this comes from the prophet Isaiah. Let me say a quick word about the book of Isaiah. If you ever look through your Bible or if you go in your Bible app, you'll notice there are 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. You may not know that many scholars believe that actually there are three Isaiahs, at least three Isaiahs. They look at the historical significance and the things that each writer is talking about. They look at the style of the writing, and they have come to the conclusion that the styles are so different that they believe that there are three different individuals, three prophets who made up all of Isaiah. So they call them 1st Isaiah, 2nd Isaiah, and 3rd Isaiah. Today, this passage from Isaiah 55 generally comes in what scholars believe is 2nd Isaiah. When you compare the style between 1st Isaiah and 2nd Isaiah, in some ways it's almost like bad cop and good cop. 1st Isaiah, especially right off the bat, calls out the people of Israel for their waywardness, for their sin. And 2nd Isaiah kind of takes a little bit more consoling approach to them. I think most scholars believe that this was written while the Israelites were in exile. So the Babylonians had come in, had taken over their land, and essentially, with many of them, sent them away from their homes, away from what they knew. And these are the people that Isaiah, the prophet, is speaking to. And again, he's speaking in a more consoling voice rather than saying, this is your own fault, what you did to to get yourself into this mess. So... I think these words, especially for those who were in exile away from their homes, had to to feel comforting and had to feel good. And listen to the invitation here that Isaiah is making. Again, he's saying that everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You that have no money, come, buy, and eat. He is speaking to those who are without, those who don't have anything, those who are thirsty, those who have no money. This invitation is for them. And so the invitation is for these Israelites, not just to the later on in verse 3 in this text, Isaiah talks about David and this covenant, this promise that God makes with David. But now the message is not only am I making this promise with David, but I'm making this promise to all of you, to all of you. And so say yes to this invitation. And what's the invitation? Again, it is to incline your ear and come so that you may live. Abundant life. This is the invitation that Isaiah is making on God's behalf. He is saying, eat and drink what is good, not the things that don't satisfy. Maybe in your own life you can think of things where you metaphorically or maybe sometimes literally eat and drink things that you think are good for you at the moment, but then you realize later on, like, "Mm, this really doesn't satisfy me a whole lot. And it can be, as I noted, something literal or something metaphorical. Maybe we chase down different 
alleyways that take us to things that we think will satisfy us but really don't. And here the invitation is for the Israelites and I think for us is that we are com- com- called to eat and drink that which truly satisfies, to delight even in this rich food. And so this invitation is for us to say yes. And then once that invitation is made and once we make that decision to say yes, then there's something else that we are called to do. In verse 5, it says, you shall call nations that you do not know and nations that do not know, that do not know you shall run to you. So Isaiah is saying that David was a witness and now those who say yes to the invitation are asked to be witnesses as well. I was listening to a podcast this week from an actor who was talking about improv and the improv training that he received and how important that was for him. And I was reminded of that very simple premise that a lot of improv is based on, and that is the notion of yes and. And that means that if you are in a scene with somebody else and you're improvising and they say something that keeps the scene moving forward, your job is to say yes to what they have created and then to build on it. Improv doesn't work if somebody does something in a scene and you stop and say, well, that doesn't make any sense because that kills the scene and it's not funny. Your job is to say yes to what they are building on and then to build on it yourself. It's both of them are necessary to say yes and to build on something else as well. And when we think about our own faith, I think that yes and Both of these two words are important for us when we think about what does it mean to be part of this house party and extend the invitation to all, to say yes to the invitation that God makes to us and then to extend that invitation to others as well. There are some who do one or the other. There are some who say yes to the invitation and that feels good and we can delight in the rich food that truly nourishes us, that God gives to us, and then that's it. And we just say yes and yes and yes. And there's not anything necessarily wrong with that. But I think we miss out. And I think we miss out on the fullness of God's invitation. Then when we only keep this to ourselves, this good news, this transformed life that we experience, this abundant life that is promised to us, if we only say yes for ourselves, it's a little selfish, to be honest, because we receive something so good. And then we are called to then extend that invitation to others. Now, there are also others who focus on that and part. They don't say yes for themselves, but they think, what can I do? How can I work? How can I serve? How can I witness? And they are without first saying yes to the invitation themselves. Yes to abundant life. Yes to food that truly satisfies. Also on this trip to England, I I went uh, for a pilgrimage to follow in the footsteps of a man named John Wesley. For those who are unfamiliar with the United Methodist Church, uh, John Wesley was a man, an Anglican priest, part of the Church of England in the 18th century. And in the midst of his call, in the midst of living out his faith, he felt led to try to revive rejuvenate the Church of England. And so he started this movement that became known as Methodism in England in the 18th century, and it spread like wildfire. But Wesley started his life, started his career anyway, in the ministry uh, without having all of that success. And part of the reason, I think, was because he, he jumped to the and part. I mean, he did all the right things. He 
was ordained in the Anglican Church. He was a missionary to the American colonies, and he was doing all the right things, but yet there was something missing in his life. He wrote in his journal after he did his failed attempt at being a missionary in the American colonies, and he wrote this. He said, I went to America to convert the Indians, but oh, who shall convert me? I have a fair summer religion. I can talk well, nay, and believe myself while no danger is near, but let death look me in the face and my spirit is troubled. This was written in January of 1738. And so Wesley said yes to the and part, but he didn't say yes to the invitation that God had extended to him. He didn't feel it. He didn't let it transform his heart. And then four months later, Methodists know as Wesley's Aldersgate experience where he talks about his heart strangely warmed and he was assured that indeed he had said yes to that invitation that God had made to him to live into that abundant life, that his sins were forgiven, that he was living into grace. And so then that was the beginning of Wesley's ability to say yes and then to build on it and extend that invitation to others as well. Well, this Sunday we will be walking in the Pride Parade at Urban Village and we will be extending this invitation to the literally hundreds of thousands of people who will line up on the parade route as we go along, handing out flyers and literally screaming at the top of our lungs that God loves you. And we are building on the and. And that is not easy to do. It is not easy to build on that. It is not easy to say yes and then to extend that invitation to others. A member of our church named Eric had written to me, and I had asked for stories about what walking in the Pride Parade had done for you in your own life. And Eric wrote to me about his own experience. And he said that he moved to Chicago three years ago, and he was 28 when he came to Chicago. He was three years out as a gay man, and he had this friction inside of himself as he was trying to bring together two sides of himself, being gay and being Christian. And then in his email to me, he said, marching in this parade made me uncomfortable. He said, it pushed my boundaries and encouraged me this time to come out of the Christian closet. He said, passing out the flyers along the route about Urban Village was really weird. But each time he did so, he was letting people know that he was a Christian. And he says, there is something remarkable about coming out of such closets. Taping, taking this leap of faith, no matter how large or small, clarifies the relationship you have with witnesses of your coming out experience. With these tiny interactions on the side of Halstead and Boystown, my UBC flyers were accepted with warm invitation. Yes, you are gay. Yes, you are a Christian. Yes, I accept your flyer. Yes, you are welcome here. I realized by pushing my boundaries, I learned nothing of myself but I learned a great deal about the people around me. And I would say that actually he did learn something about himself in the process of, of doing these things, of being vulnerable, extending that witness of building, saying yes, and handing these flyers out because all kinds of things bubble up inside us. What if we were rejected? What if people think we're weird? What if people don't? want anything to do with us. That hurts our self-esteem and hurts our ego and may want to have us crawl back into the Christian closet, as it were. And yet, especially in light of the shootings in Orlando, it is more important for us 
to say yes and then to extend that invitation so that they know that there's something that they can say yes to as well. We need to essentially bring this house party to them, and that's what we're doing as we walk in the parade. And it's what all of us can do in our own lives as well. We talk about evangelism a lot here at Urban Village, and we don't do it just to fill the pews. We do it because we feel like what we have is something pretty great, abundant life. And so we invite people into that, like the man standing outside the restaurant. We encourage, invite people in, and we hope then when they come inside that they are compelled to then make that invitation to others. If you are thirsty, come, drink. If you have no money, come and eat. And then when you do, go out to others so that they know of what truly satisfies as well. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening. The podcast is slightly shorter than normal this week because uh, we are cutting our worship service on Sunday a little short because of the Pride Parade so we can get up there and and walk with our fellow uh, urban villagers and other folks from churches around Chicago. And once again, I'll be taking next week off, uh, July 3rd. I'll be out of town, and so won't be recording anything, but I'll be back the week after that. I'm always appreciative of your faithfulness and your listening and the comments that you send my way. Feel free, as always, to um, interact with me, chris at urbanvillagechurch.org. On Twitter, I'm at Christian Kuhn. I'm always happy to um, relate and exchange and listen to anything that you have on your mind. And so, until the next time that we're together, may the peace of Christ be yours.